How is it a crocodile is in New England? He's close, we'll find him. They have come to this quiet lake to study a deadly phenomenon. What is this, some kind of mutant? But they are the ones being watched. The ones being followed. How many deputies you got? Ah! The ones... I got something on the screen. ...being hunted. Lake Placid. I'm rooting for the crocodile. Rated R. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your co-host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my other co-host, Tyler Wilson. We're going to squeeze in a little animal April here with a saltwater crocodile terrorizing a lake in a movie that nobody saw. I don't know about that. Um, I love that like we want these monthly themes for our podcast, but because of my inability to to sit down and record with you, it, it's it's challenging. But I love your dedication and your push to like keep it going. Look, so long as this gets out in the next couple of days, it'll be Animal April, and we did it before we did Spider Man, and that was Arachnid April. Yeah, you see, yeah. I like it. Now, if you recall on our themes, I believe we actually did, while we did episodes in September, we did not do a back to school title this last year. We didn't? We break our rules all the time. That's right, because we're rebels. We're rebellious old millennials. We do think, you know, we've done March Madness. We've done Sandy New Year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, We've done, last year was a special thing. We did the Summer of Brockheimer. So we're you know, probably not going to do summer. Did you already Brockheimer say our March again. Madness? Yeah, I said that already. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do all. This we do Halloween movies sometimes, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and okay. Christmas movies sometimes. That's right. During that time of year. How are you doing these days? What's up? What's new? What's happening? What do you mean? What are? How are you? Well, I'm fine, I guess. <laughs> are you? I think that you're so funny because you're like I'm ready to talk about movies. What personal question? I don't understand. I don't. I don't I don't know. <laughs> same old, same old, I guess. Have you any fun animal stories in lieu of Animal April? I had to go take some pictures for some work today, and there were some chickens on the side of the road that seemed like they were going to get run over, probably. That's cool. That's cool. Saw some cows. You know what I was thinking about today? Yeah. Speaking of Animal April, mm-hmm. I think for one of our Animal Aprils, uh, a couple of years ago, we were watching the Tiger whatever King. Tiger line. King. Is yeah. that what it's called? I guess. That's like, that's a blur. No one even remembers. Everybody watched it. Nobody remembers. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> someone I work with today, uh, I was sending them a congratulations on a, a thing that they got. And so I was looking for a picture of them. And I found a picture of them on the internet where they were sitting with some lions. Oh. And so I put that in my little card I made them, and uh, it made me think of the movie Roar. Yeah, that's the only thing that matters. I don't care about Tiger King, but <laughs> yes. it, it led us to watching Roar, yeah. which is an amazing movie that is not seen by many people, but I believe it's still on YouTube, yeah. so you should watch it. Yeah, I feel like uh, we should start watching it at least every other year uh, for Animal April, and then just record a new short episode on like new things we've learned about ourselves well, don't worry, I bought the Roar. Blu-ray. Did you? Oh, you did? Absolutely. God, that's right. You, you were watching it for a while. Sh- I need that in high definition. And I was trying to explain what the movie was. And uh, I, as our listeners know, uh, I'm real bad at that. And so I was like, well, it's like it's got like Melanie Griffith and uh, some dude she was married to. And there's like a lot of lions and they're like on this lion preserve. You're underselling it. <laughs> and she's like, is it like a like a real like, you know, like a mate, like a story? And I was like, no, this is a real place. But no, no. What do you? Yeah, I mean, it is, but it's like they, a story. It's fictional movie. It is fictional, but 
they lived on a lion yes. preserve with all these moves with all like, these lions. They're fighting against poachers. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's not it's not like a uh, documentary. There's an elephant that's a huge asshole. Yeah. yeah. Things like this nature. So I thought maybe instead of talking about anything else, we could just talk about Roar the whole day. Okay, I don't know why. I mean, I, Lake Placid is plenty to talk about. I know, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um. Okay, well, in addition to me talking about Roar, uh, what have you been watching recently? I've seen some stuff. Have um, you? Yeah, let's talk about the thing we watched together, which was we finally watched The Batman. Uh, the That's new an animal movie, because bat- yeah. bats are animals. Bats in it, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and a cat w- woman. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the the new uh, Batman movie that is now on HBO Max after it did very well in theaters. Uh, Robert Pattinson is your uh, Bruce Wayne Batman. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman. Uh, Colin Farrell under uh, tons of makeup as the Penguin. I I just talked to someone who did, was watched the movie and didn't realize it was Colin Farrell. I could see that. Um, Matt Reeves made this. He made the last of those couple pretty good uh, Planet of the Apes movies. So, yeah, what did you think of The Batman? Okay, I knew you were going to ask that, and mm-hmm. I was thinking for the last 60 seconds, how am I going to answer this? And then I was trying to think, what was this movie about? It's and about The Batman. I was like, okay, we got we got Twilight Guy. Who's we, very good, I think. We've got uh, some stuff happening. We've got The Riddler. Yes, it's a very much like a... Um, I don't know why I'm describing a movie. You're literally the only one who doesn't know what it's about. Okay, uh, yeah, it's a movie. Here's what I thought about it. Uh-huh. Um, it. It was good. I remember enjoying watching it. I remember thinking it was good. I think because it doesn't have a lot of, like, crazy stuff that, like, I'm having trouble, like, having it stand out in my mind. Okay. So that's a problem. It's very, It's the longest Batman movie. It is uh, nearly three hours long. Yeah, I don't think it needed to be that long. Uh, yeah, I, I could, yeah. And I, I don't agree. understand why Colin Farrell, who I love, really needed to do all the like makeup and stuff. That feels because well, like, he's like... the penguin. He doesn't... Colin Farrell, you see, uh, if you look at a picture of him, mm-hmm. does not look like what people uh, generally think of as the penguin. I think so I... I had to make him look different. Yeah, but like for me, that's just like your. It was hard for me to. He was. It was like too much of like a, a cartoon character instead of like I think Colin Farrell's like one of my favorite actors. I want to see a version where he's just. I don't think he's playing it that cartoonish, really. The ma- the the makeup makes it cartoonish. So there's no one to play it. There's nobody of that size. Oh, I know. Philip Seymour Hoffman is dead. Angie. Nobody, because he's such a good actor. I just want to see him act, and I couldn't really like connect with him because there was like this distance of he's his a, makeup. He's, he's only like a, a supporting character. He is. He's doing like a. a he show, totally I guess. is barely a character. Yeah. I mean, it's it. Well, it. In the span of a three-hour movie, it's not much screen time, but it's probably still like twenty minutes, um, which would be a fine amount in like a normal-length movie. Um, mm-hmm. I like the Batwoman or the Catwoman. Zoe me. Kravitz, I think, is great in the movie. Her and Robert Pattinson together have a a chemistry that's very unique. I like think that all of their stuff together is the best stuff in the movie. Okay. Now it's coming back to me, so I'm yeah. just going to interrupt you. Uh, I loved... Now okay. I'm remembering. Well, it's, it's in your okay. brain now. It's in Good. my brain. Um, I loved that he's, like, the way Robert Pattinson played it. Now, I am yeah. sad that he didn't, like, actually, like, talk a lot, and that's okay. That's fine. I wanted to hear well, he, him talk He wears more. the mask almost the entire movie. There's only yeah. a handful of scenes in which he's actually, like, Bruce Wayne, which is... I, yeah. different than a lot of uh, versions of yeah Batman. i love how unhealthy he looked and oh, like, yeah, he looks... how grungy and like <laughs> and he says it right in the beginning when he is doing that first like 
I'm Batman and I like all talking that like the I'm a film fan of noir that. like kind of it's like a, yeah. well it was like opening up a panel of a, a Batman comic because he Batman often narrates or has a journal of what's going on in the comics and so to me that was like really and it, and it's a very crime centric movie it's about the crime families so a lot of this is just like right out of like comic t- and the kind of comics of Batman that I like so that's why I kind of like it but go ahead you were talking about uh yeah so yeah. I like that he's like this uh he works at night and so like like a night shift worker he looks like trash he yeah he uh gets the shit kicked out of him he regularly up. He, he throws his body around like crazy yeah yeah the, it, the 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 being batman for him is is weighing heavily on his body yeah it does not <laughs> it looks look like it. good mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i thought that was really be- believable because i i liked i like a batman that's not just like this playboy charming mm-hmm. spotlight that like oh yeah he has this money but it's like you know i think the one takeaway that i really like about it and it kind of plays into that is that you know, he, Batman is using his body as a brute force for vengeance, mm-hmm. and the movie is about him kind of coming to terms of what that means, what the consequences are of that, you know, of being that way toward the criminal underbelly of the city is, and whether he should be something different. Yes. And I really like that arc, um, albeit I think that um, it could be tightened. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I struggle... I really like the Riddler as like a concept and how it's kind of portrayed through the first part of the movie. Um, you know, he's a, you know it's a mystery. You don't they don't know who he is. It's you know it's like an investigation. It's like watching Zodiac or like mm-hmm. Seven, um, which I like that approach. Uh, once Paul Dano kind of becomes on screen, look, he's a very good actor. I like Paul Dano. Um, there are a few scenes and a little bit of that character that just like feels. Like we've been there, done that with kind yeah. of a Joker portrayal before, and so yeah. I, I, I don't love that. There is like I didn't show you that. There's the deleted scene of him and the prisoner in Arkham, which is yeah, a, no. or, yeah, of the lo- another scene of the you know the Joker, and it's just like ugh. I'm, I don't need that. I didn't need the one that's in the movie, and I I really am glad the other one got cut out because it's. I you're don't right. Like it. I I you're right. I liked it both best before we find out who he is or see him like that's not even like we don't even need to know and who. It, it's trying this 4chan um what do you mean like insurgent like you know oh. thing yeah. yeah domestic terrorism yeah. thing and I, I there's something there but i'll at the same time like it just feels like once it kind of kind of leans into that at the tail end you're pretty worn out by like this whole investigation of the Wayne family and the way the mob, it's just a lot. So yeah, it, that I part think... of me kind of, but then, you know, in that ending there, they do manage to find a way to kind of carve this overall arc of Batman. And I just, I feel like I, these are quibbles. I like the movie quite a bit, yes, but um, I agree. It's quibbles. I do think that it went too, too big. Like it's better sometimes to keep it small, to keep like the, the thing you're trying to solve, the crime you're trying to solve, mm-hmm. small. It doesn't have to be this like, oh, there's gonna be this giant event that's gonna happen. Like, yeah, that's I, fine, yeah. but like, I don't. A little out of place. Yeah, um, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Jeffrey but Wright's really great as Jim Gordon in this. Obviously, he's great in everything. I mentioned Zoe Kravitz. I really like her. John Turturro is very good as like a mob boss. Um, yeah, it's well cast all over the place. I think the the character of Batman. Mm-hmm. And my perception of Batman has definitely changed from like being a kid to being like a grown ass adult. Because I think that when you're a kid, you're v- it's very easy to be like, yes, bad guys, bad, get mm-hmm. the bad guys. And I feel like this movie does a good job of like 
kind of like without bopping you on the head too much of kind of just showing that like you know like treating criminals this way is not like the solution that's not gonna like prevent crime it's not gonna like make the city better like it's like i think it kind of asks the question of like how do you hold criminals accountable but Mm -hmm. but but also prevent people from being criminals in the first place yeah i yeah i would another thing i'll say is that i think the score by a Michael Giacchino is awesome. It has like this incredible new like Batman hook or theme hook of his entrance music. It's great. Um, I will say that I'm not. I mean, it was inevitable. They greenlit a sequel where Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson is coming back, and I'm just like, yeah. But I'm also just like, might have been cool to just do a standalone, do one, one and done, and then walk off. I don't know. That's just kind of my thought. It is really. How many Batman movies do we need? It is really hard when they, like, do a good job of taking Batman on a journey and you're like, I feel like this is the end of the story. And so, like, I want him to stay in that space that they leave him at and not, like, I don't want the next thing. Like, just leave it there. Yeah, there's this this thing with Catwoman and Batman at the end and they kind of go their separate ways. And I just, I don't know, like, to me, I'd just be like, they should not make another one of these. Mm -hmm. This is really, like, satisfying. Just let it sit. Let it be. But that's not how this kind of thing works. They're like, money, cha-ching. Uh, have there been other Batman movies where there was only one? Like, were any of those other ones in the 90s, was there only one? Well, I mean, there's been one a, a, an actor who's played Batman just once, like Who? Val Kilmer or okay. George Clooney. Okay, I thought, did they both only do it one they time? They just did it one time. Those are kind of, you know, and they're not... They're loosely tied in, though, because there's a little bit of overlap, obviously, with the director between three and four, and then some of the, you know, the Commissioner Gordon and Alfred are the same actors throughout all of those, and so... You know, people get a sense that those are maybe kind of connected. But, um, you know, no, I mean, Bale did three. I mean, even Will Arnett's done multiple uh, movies as the voice of Lego Batman. And Ben Affleck did, you know, uh, well, two full movies. And, you know, so, yeah, you know, I no, it would be very unusual. But I just think that, I don't know. It's already like a, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I Obviously, it was going to be a sequel. But yeah. So I, what did I think of it? I liked it. Okay, it was good, yeah. All right, yeah, we watched that. Let's see. I uh, Oh, okay, well, you know, I don't watch a lot of television, but I kind of watched television recently. So I wanted to watch The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which is an Apple show. It's a miniseries, just six episodes, and the reason I want to watch that is because it's Sam Jackson in the lead. Really the first time he's done, like, a television show. He, like, appeared... Blink and you'll miss it on a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of at the beginning of all that. But mm-hmm. um, no, he's never done a TV show. And this is a very uh, pa- it's a passion project for him. It's a story of a, like it's kind of weird because he's playing like a 90 year old man. So he's in like old age makeup, even though he's 70 already. But he's because he's playing such an old man, he has to wear makeup. And you think like, oh, well, he's doing that because like one, it's the character. But two, like there's going to be flashbacks and like. There are, but mm-hmm. not that many. <laughs> like, he's Weird. mostly just for... The, it's like 99% of him just kind of as an old guy, right? What? Um, but he is someone who's got dementia, and his his he, you know, is not able to take care of himself, and um, something terrible happens to one of his, like, nephews, and he gets offered this drug where he could have um, his memories kind of rush back, but only temporarily. Like, it only works temporarily, and then when it's over with, your brain they've seen it gets way worse so Mm -hmm. like you're really gonna be like completely out of it if you do it right but he's trying to find out what happened to his nephew and he's got another 
young gal who's kind of taking care of him. Uh, that's play, she's played by Dominic Fishback, who is in um, oh, like he Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, yeah, the 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 just clap last year the uh, the biopic thing of Fred Hampton. What's the movie called? Oh my god. I got nothing. It's no, the Fred Hampton yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a yeah, very yeah. good movie. Now. Anyway. Like the movie's space. But she's from that movie. She's good in this. And Sam Jackson is very good. It is kind of a weird show in that it feels a little lumpy. In that it's lumpy? six ep- Yeah, it's like six episodes and it feels like it's like... It meanders through some things that you don't want it to meander through. And then it like rushes through some of the other stuff. Mm. Um, so like as a piece of television, like a miniseries, I thought it was uneven. But um, it's a good opportunity to see Samuel L. Jackson like flex in a way that he doesn't always because he's usually you know he in a lot of his movies he likes to throw the swagger around and then he you know likes to sprinkle in projects where he's like doing something different this is definitely something where he's doing something different he's getting to do a lot so he's especially good in those early like the first two episodes he's really like dementia gone kind of performance and then he kind of gets his um wits about him later in the series but um yeah it's good. Uh, what's his face? Walton Goggins is the doctor. Oh. He's not in a lot of the show, but he's uh, he's there. It's Walton Goggins. We love Walton Goggins. So it's a little uh, Hateful Eight reunion there. So, I mean, it was good. It wasn't great, but I love Sam Jackson, so I watched it and I enjoyed him in it. Okay. I watched a show. Oh, what show did you watch? I watched uh, Russian Doll on Netflix. You watched the both seasons. You the, the new season that came up, but you hadn't watched the first season. Right? Yeah, so it came out in 2019, I think, but I didn't even know it existed. I think you had mentioned it, uh-huh, like yeah. you were aware of it, um, but no, because season two came out, Netflix was promoting it. So this was uh, this stars Natasha Leone, and it's created by her and another writer and Amy Poehler too, mm-hmm. co co-created it, and. Uh, I think that you would like the premise of it, at least. Yeah, that sounds like a show I would like. I just haven't. Yeah, it. and it's like it's set in New York, which is inter- just I love because you know where the Ninja Turtles there. are. Totally, yep. and it's just kind of like a Groundhog's Day. She keeps waking up to like her birthday party, mm-hmm. and so just like going through the, like the this trying to solve, you know, the like how do you stop this crazy weird time loop? Yeah. And so that was like the first season. So then when you have a show that has like a Groundhog you know plot how do you top that in a tv show yeah especially if they like sounds like they resolve it in the first season spoilers yeah they resolve it so they do not repeat a time loop but they do play with time Mm -hmm. um which is just i'm just a sucker for that and natasha leone is just i just could watch her she's She's just just a great actor and fascinating to watch and it's interesting because it ties in some like history stuff and family stuff and uh, it's really good Cool. Yeah, that's like I've heard good things. That's and it's funny, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What else do you got? Well, I also had to burn through. Um, I really wanted to watch the new season of Better Call Saul as it aired, and it's split up. So there's new episodes now. It's the final season. There'll be more new episodes in July. But I love Better Call Saul. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV shows in general, but I I love it, and I I've seen all of Breaking Bad, and I like. Better Call Saul better. I've liked it better since the beginning, almost. Bob Odenkirk maybe is, has a lot to do with that. I just love the character. But, like, it's always on a weird schedule, so, like, the full seasons don't go on Netflix until the new seasons are about to start up. And so there's a huge gap between the last season oh, and... yeah. I mean, COVID shut down, plus, I mean, Bob Odenkirk ended up having a heart attack. I think that's probably why maybe the last season's been split up. He's okay, which is great. Um... But I've always had to catch up with it elsewhere because online, like when you watch it, it's on AMC. They don't like 
keep the episodes on there. Yeah, they take them away. They take them away, or if the season stops airing, they get pulled. They have a very weird streaming contract, right? So, um, you know, it came out on Netflix season five, like, on April 5th, and it wasn't, you know, I had, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, I forgot I needed to watch it before the new season started. And so I think I started it like eh, two days before the new season yeah. started. And you were like, how am I going to watch all these? And I was just like, I get through shows in two days all the time. Yeah. Just, just turn it on well, and watch I, it. I don't like it because I like it's a great show. Mm-hmm. And I, But I don't like I have this issue. And this is one of the reasons why I don't watch a lot of TV is that I don't like the idea of like binging sometimes. I feel like it's doing a disservice to the story a little bit for yourself, for your enjoyment level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to figure out. But then I was like reflecting and I was like, why is it then every time the, a new season of Better Call Saul comes on, I'm through it in like a day, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm like, or two days, knowing that I don't like that. And I think it's a very unique, and Breaking Bad is like this too. It's the way that the shows are. Um, they are oddly, like they're very rich, complex shows that are oddly like beg- begging you to binge because... And it's it's in a in a way that you wouldn't expect. It's the way that it is like a lot of episodes and a lot of things that happen are about process and minutia. Like there's little mini stories that go on where, you know, if someone's getting from point A to point B or, you know, he's a lawyer, but you don't the show rarely ends up in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. It, it often spends a lot of time like him like coming up with some kind of scam to like set pieces in place so someone doesn't have to appear in court or something oh, like mm-hmm. that. And it, it it's always a lot of minutia and a lot of little details. And then there's also like this drug running situation going on with the you know, the characters that'll eventually move on to breaking bad. And all of that is like kind of depicted in a very like process way and, you know, little little actions and little things that, you know, change how people's uh, you know, connections change throughout the season, right? Or the series. And so it's very small and it's very focused. And you would think a show like that would not be you like, okay, well, I watched that. I need to digest it. The thing is, though, is that the show then like plot wise doesn't move forward that much in an individual episode because it's taking all that time. So when you get to the end, you're just like, well, no, I got to we'll see. Now we got a new little detail. Let's get moving. So it actually has like this opposite effect where you're like wanting to plow through it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good because like you can still kind of recall individual episodes a little bit for doing a certain thing but i still think it's like a disservice i'm just like i could watch this whole show again and like enjoy it in a different way but it's it's very unique it doesn't like binge like a like a procedural like Mm. uh a cop show or something like that or you know because some of those are easy to binge because you just like oh new case new thing something new every week right well this is not this like I mean, I have a question for you. Yeah, because I was uh, sharing with a coworker that you were working through Better Call Saul, and uh, mm-hmm. I was saying, yeah, he doesn't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, and I was asked, like, oh, like why? And then like, what does a TV show require to get him to want to watch it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't. Let me think. And I kind of tried to articulate, but I'm curious how you would answer that. Um, I think that like. I mean, I know that I've passed on a lot of shows that are great. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that are really good. And I'm like, and it's to the point where sometimes I'm just like, well, I know that's really good, but I don't want to get invested. <laughs> right. There's the time process. But like in the case of like Better Call Saul, I think it's just like, it's so good. Like it is, I think, um, the best drama that's been on television what? that I've seen. I just, because it's so unique in Seriously? the way that it tells And stories. you're not forcing me to watch it? No, I just, because I know it's not, I don't think it's for everyone necessarily, but I just, I love the way that storytelling is. And I feel like it's such a, because I had such a, um, 
I liked Breaking Bad, but I also wasn't like in love with it like a lot of people were. Yeah, I don't think you fell in love with the main character like other people. I did. just I felt like that show kind of spun its wheels in its last couple. You were of like, years. didn't he already break bad? <laughs> well, I think he, he kind of, well my my opinion is that he breaks bad in like the first season, and that's I mean he doesn't really change all that much. That's my feeling. But whereas Better Call Saul is very much like a uh, that is a I think a more interesting um, character depiction just because of. Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman is kind of Don't like spoil a spoil it. No, he's he's a guy who is prone to scams and cutting corners and a little bit of like moral uh gray grayness in terms of how he gets ahead. Mm-hmm. But at the same time he also doesn't want to be that guy. But then somehow still manages to kind of inch his way. And I just I with Better Call Saul, I love how much there's been this push and pull of him. Really, it's him pushing back against his own worst impulses, I think, in a way that is unique in in a different way than I've seen kind of get depicted. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where in this last season, like, you would think now we're at the end where he's going to be, you know, his character will now be thrust into Breaking Bad, right? Mm-hmm. That he would be much closer to, to that person. And he is, but also you're just like, well, no, this guy is still like this guy underneath. This is mm-hmm. still Jimmy. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I find it fascinating. And I am very much invested in the other characters, particularly the ones who are not in Breaking Bad, and I fear for them every moment of the show. Clearly as you should. If they're not in the show, clearly something happens. Yeah, so, um, you know, I just... Okay, so, question. Yeah. What <laughs> qualifies a show to get you to invest in watching it? And you know, I was reflecting back and I was trying to think of the shows that you've actually decided to mm-hmm. watch. Very few dramas. I need a hook. Like, well, yeah, I, for like, one. think back. What are the last, like, few dramas you've actually dramas watched? Dramas because I, I, I know that they're hour longs and they, it's just going to be like 10 hours. And I'm just like, I'd rather watch like four movies and get like four stories. You know what I mean? And be kind of invested that way. That's one thing. Usually I need a hook with a drama. Like, for instance, Samuel L. Jackson is in a drama series. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Oh, and it's a limited series? Even better. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet is in Mayor of Easttown. Fucking Kate Winslet? I am there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get a hook. Bob Odenkirk is someone I really like, and he's, like, my favorite part of Breaking Bad. And so while there was a lot of skepticism of, like, that being the prequel show, I was like, no, I mean, that's the that's great. This is the character I want to follow. And so, um those yeah. are the last three dramas you've watched. I don't know. And also, I think that, well, I've seen a few things here and there, but. Like what? Um, I don't know. I watch a lot more comedy shows. You usually. do. You you'll be quicker in for a comedy. Well, then. I watch a lot of heavy movies sometimes. So like when I'm doing like a long term watch watch, I do prefer something a little bit more lighthearted. I yeah. guess the the long term commitment to something heavier. Because I'll watch like Holocaust shit movie wise or some stuff yeah. that's just you very, watch like, like genocide refugee stuff. But yeah. when it, I wouldn't want to watch a movie of that, right? Or a, a TV show of that, right? Um. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that. I just the time commitment I I always worry I do I am more attracted to like limited series because I like the idea of it being over like a planned beginning and end I also have plans to watch these things like there's the Underground Railroad which is made by Barry Jenkins on Amazon that's been out a year and it's apparently incredible and it's a limited series oh you've not even mentioned that well, I, haven't, I haven't watched it <laughs> I haven't started it one and of these days I'll watch it. It's also tough when you and I both want to watch a TV show because that's like an even bigger commitment. I mean, I've I've seen all of the seasons of Camp Cretaceous. Yes, we have. If it's a kid's show. I'm up to date on American Idol. What do you want from me? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's pretty funny. I need to, you know, I yeah, I watch a lot of. I I I'm pretty um, eclectic in what I watch movie wise. I'll pretty much watch any kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So then, like you know, the time regards, you know, I just have. You know, plus I don't know. You you watch TV because you that's what you do is like your leisure time. I listen to music, watch movies, play video games. Like I've got a lot of things splintering my time. I don't necessarily have time to watch like a lot of shows. I have to yeah. be a little bit more selective. So. You are. Selective. I have no hate against it. Like, that's I've, not true. You do. Have I've hate heard that like TV. Severance on Apple is really great too. What is that? It's a show that everybody loves right now, and I'm like, I should watch that. But I'm like, eh, what is I? it? Is it a drama? It's a drama series. It has Adam Scott, and it has it's really well regarded. Is there uh, anything sci-fi, supernatural, yes. or futuristic? It is. There's something sci-fi about it. You would probably really like oh, that show. Actually, okay, okay. Yes, but it's like. Should I just watch it without you? No, I kind of want to watch it. I don't know. I've heard it's We got to get through Ted Lasso first. I know we okay. started that, which is a good show, but I mean, all know. right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anything else? Yeah, I'll do some just rapid fire because I saw a a movie called All the Old Knives with Chris Pine, which is like a spy-ish, very low-key like movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It's just like basically it's him and um, Thandie Newton. Uh, They're used to be like spies together, but they've since gone their separate ways. But they're relitigating something that happened in the past that was bad—a terrorist attack. And a lot of the movie is just like flashbacks interweaving between them, like kind of like figuring out if one of the other is like did something wrong is it good it's pretty solid yeah it's very much like a movie that would have been like in theaters like in the ni- late 90s yeah <laughs> but like now like these movies don't get made like they don't get put out in theaters because no one would go see them right it's not a superhero movie or meant for kids right so uh, in that regard i thought it was pretty solid mm-hmm. um good cast so that How's was his acting because like i like him but is he a good actor chris pine's an uh, interesting guy because i think he can be very charismatic but also they use he gets used kind of in like, didn't they, i just watch a spy movie with him yeah they blank with slate what's him. her name oh maybe i don't remember you told he has me another to watch one it. out that's like you on told VOD. me to watch it or what was that movie where like then the girls become spies the girls the become, women no you're thinking Chastain. of sebastian stan the 355 which is not a very good Who's movie. Who's Sebastian Stan? He's the Winter Soldier. Oh, Winter Soldier. Okay, yeah. okay. That's who I was You saw of. Fresh, because yeah, 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 yeah. you wanted to watch Fresh, yeah. which anyway, we talked about in my previous episode. You were saying that he gets put in these well, roles. He gets put in like that leading man, like blank slate type of roles, and I don't mm-hmm. think he's particularly solid in that. He needs to have a little bit of personality. Where This movie is not. It doesn't give him a lot of like... He's not Captain Kirk, right? Yeah, I love that. Which yeah. is great. At. I, mean, I, I mean, he's always very good in that, and they're making another one of those finally, but... Um, but yeah, no, I see solid. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Okay, rapid fire. Sorry to slow you down. Um, oh, I watched, you remember me going and watching this, The Bubble. That's the Judd Apatow movie that's on Netflix. I think you talked about this last time. Did I? I think so. It's awful. Yeah. It's just absolutely I think you already terrible. said that. Did now I? you're going to get double hate from Judd Apatow. Well, it's fucking He already terrible. sent us a hate letter, Did I he? think. Yeah. Well, sir, listen. <laughs> sir. Make a better movie, because like you've made, I think, I'm a defender of Judd Apatow too. A lot of people always complain about the length of his movies and how they're really uneven and yes that's true but even like i don't really even like pete davidson but even like his pete davidson like movies actually not bad like you know i think but tyler if you're gonna be a comedy writer you're gonna have some misses you just this is are a, this is a miss in a whole different way though it, was it, he trying something new and failed because that's good you it's want very comedy broad. to it's, try it, new it's got this attitude about hollywood which is just like everybody's awful and it's like okay great it's it's basically tropic thunder but like through a COVID lens of like they're making a movie in a bubble, right? That's the mm-hmm. idea. They're gonna they're in a hotel room, hotel trapped kind of together. 
It's like Tropic Thunder, only not funny or clever. Oh, because I think I say. one of the appeals of his writing is that he always has a character, at least, that's really like relatable in their in their awfulness or weirdness. Like they're relatable to to in a broad. This way. has a good like Pedro Pascal is like trying, but it's not a very funny character. David Duchovny trying, but not very funny. Leslie Mann, his wife, who's in all of his movies, she's trying. It's not a very good character. Like, it's just, I don't mm. know. It's it's really one of the worst comedies I've seen in a long, right. long while. Don't go watch The Bubble. Got it. And then I've been doing a little bit of Nick Cage rewatching. Um, oh, my God. You're so <laughs> ridiculous. Drive Angry, I rewatched. A movie I've seen one time. This is one where he is basically uh, a dude that's driving around uh, trying to stop the devil or some demon thing. Ooh, I don't that even sounds know. interesting. I'd watch that one. <laughs> You had me a demon. It's very exploitation. It's just like gratuitous violence and sex. The violence, unfortunately, is some CGI violence, which Aww. just doesn't look very good. When is when was that movie? Oh, like 2012-ish. Weird. Amber Heard, who's in the news a lot right now, mm-hmm. she's in the movie. Uh, she doesn't really do anything particularly interesting. Uh, William Fickner is kind of like this demon or the devil or mm-hmm. some like, he's called the accountant. He's actually the best thing about the movie because he's actually having fun. It would have been great to have... Nick Cage played that part. Oh, yeah. Um, He's better as, like, a seasoning sometimes. Spice it up. Who? Nick Cage. Nick Cage is always great. Always. All the time. But, but if he's going to play like a really weird character, yeah. it's nice in small doses. So then I rewatched Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. I told you I'd rewatch that with uh, you. You don't... Um, well, we could... Go- For the podcast. They're not, they're not in our era. Tyler, um, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Ghost Rider, the first movie, is is actively terrible. Um, what? You should stop watching Nick Cage movies so we can have a Nick Cage November. No, no, and it's Nick. It's Age of Cage now because I got that book and his his other and his movies in theaters. So no, it's Nick. It's Nick Cage all the time, all the time. Actually, there is a movie uh, that's coming in my mailbox on DVD that we could watch for the podcast that I've never seen, but I'm not gonna say anymore. Um, Oh, do you want to share how you bought a duplicate of a DVD that I we already had? I didn't buy it. I got it. I, I canceled the order before it came. You bought it, and then you canceled it. Well, I got excited because it was like a six-pack of Nick Cage movies <laughs> on DVD for a cheap price. And I was like, oh, i got to fire that up, right? Well, then I like finished the order, uh-huh. and I looked, and I was like, oh, yeah, I must. this must have also been on sale like a month ago because here it is just sitting right here. So I canceled it. It's fine. Oh, like you recently had already bought this? It's hard. It's hard. It's Tyler! Unclear. It's unclear. <laughs> Well, I didn't watch anything on it yet, so, you know, sometimes I forget. So, Ghost Rider, boring, but Nick Cage uh, doing making some choices. Mm-hmm. And in the sequel, uh, I, which I think is had worse reviews and yet is, I think, far better, maybe because of the presence of Idris Elba alone. Mm. Um, but that movie is bonkers, and Nick Cage is having way more fun in that movie, and it's even... That's that's enjoyable. The first one, fucking forget it. But the okay. second one, the first one, like he's you know he's saying howdy howdy howdy. Like there's a lot of good Nick Cage stuff in it, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's otherwise it's very very dull. The second one, there's a lot of interesting Nick Cage going on, and that movie's fucking insane. So, is it good? No. But is it insane? Yes. And that's enough. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Yeah. Were they? Do you think they were trying to make it bad? No, well, I think that they, I think Nick Cage, I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet, um, mm-hmm. Age of Cage, but I would say that I think there was a smaller budget on the second movie. I think Nick Cage got to do a little bit more of what he wanted to do on it. There was a little bit less pressure for it to perform, and so he got to kind of go full Cage. And when Cage is allowed to go full Cage, everybody benefits, in my opinion. So Seems like there's more freedom in a lower budget. 
or you know, I just expectation. I mean, no one really liked the first Ghost Rider, so I think there was just a little bit more opportunity to be like, look, no one likes it anyway. Might as well just do what we want, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they certainly do. So yeah, no, that's it. Nick Cajun, Nick Cajun it up. So tell us about this Age of Cage book you've got. It is by Keith Phipps, who's a I don't know where he writes from, but he does a few podcasts. But he wrote a book about uh, he's it's a book about the Hollywood. Uh, kind of the progression of Hollywood over the last 40 years through the lens of Nick Cage's acting choices and what he chooses to do. So it's not a biography. Mm. There's not a lot about his personal life. And I know that that's a lot of people's interest in Nick Cage. But for me, I like the the movie choices, mm-hmm. right? And so it's kind of about like how he had to navigate, you know, going from someone who was, you know, had a famous name and had to like, you know, try to make his own, well, his way, own way despite being a Coppola to making like crazy choices from you know breaking out from like that and then you know winning an oscar and then like becoming an, an unlikely action star for 10 years and then having like the bottom drop out on star driven vehicles and having mm-hmm. to kind of go into the dtv world and then kind of a little bit into this new renaissance of him still doing small movies but movies that are still centered on it. and what's remarkable about nick cage is that he very rarely like takes supporting roles mm-hmm. and that's what you were saying like he's good as a sprinkle it's like hey that happens so rarely like he almost always and that's one of the reasons why he hmm. he went to dtv i yeah. think because he wanted to be like he wanted a, a big juicy part to chew on and every everything he did and i think that aside from a few titles like even those bad direct-to-video movies like He's not phoning it in. He's trying and he's doing some, he's making choices. Yeah, he's experimental for sure. Yeah, and you know, some of it's not, you know, like some of them's like, well, maybe maybe that's not a great choice. Mm -hmm. But I mean, more often than not, I don't know, it's always to me interesting. So yeah, I would uh, rather have it be interesting than. And I think it's culminated, honestly, in some of his best work. Mandy and Pig um, are incredible Nick Cage performances. So, you know, I don't know. Did I see Mandy? If you haven't, you should. I have it. You should watch it. It's what is insane. That? It's this weird ass like movie that is like this. It like these demon. It's like it's it's like this. It's there's demons and shit, but it's like artsy. And Nick Cage is having to be like. Oh, it's hard to describe. Okay. It's a wild movie though. When did that come out? Uh, about four or five years ago now. Why are you watching all these good movies without me? You yeah, weren't interested in then. You're like, oh, I'm Nick Cage. Okay, last are you? D- That's it. Okay, but I mean, last last but, question about Nick Cage. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the book is very enjoyable. If you could pick um, a superhero that Nick Cage would play, not Ghost Rider. Uh, well, he, he, he almost played Superman. Yeah. What would you pick for him and why? What? What superhero role would you pick for Nick Cage and why? I think he should be... Su- well, he, he played Spider-Man Noir in Into the Spider-Verse, and that was terrific. I did enjoy that, yes. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would I would love... I mean, are you kidding me? Batman? I would love... No, no. I, I would love for him to, like, take a swing at Superman. Why not? <laughs> Fuck. Like, who cares? Like, Superman is so, so stiff and uninteresting, and I feel like we've had such a middling uh, streak of that performance. I, I like Christopher Reeve. I, you know, I don't think Henry Cavill is bad at Superman. It's just more But the it is, like, here's in. here's what we expect, and here's how we want you to be. There's not a lot of room for... I don't know. I don't think he would do it now. Obviously, he's very old. Like, he's much older than the part would be. I mean, that's the issue now. I mean, he's older. It's just... You know, there's less that he can do, right? But... No, give it to me. I, that is one of my like lost things of like that was almost a thing where the Nick Cage was almost Superman, and I was like, yes, I'm in. I'm like into when? that. Like when? When was this? Like ni- mid nineties. Yeah. Huh. He did screen tests. Yeah, I mean it was almost a thing. He named his own. He named his kid Cal El. You know, I don't know. He did. Yeah, his name's one of his sons is named Cal El. That's specific. He likes Superman. <laughs>
I am intrigued. It's his hard name, to imagine. You know, his name, he changed his name to Cage because of a show that you like. He liked the comic book character of Luke Cage. Seriously? That's one of the reasons why he changed it. What and, a cool guy. Yeah, and a composer, John Cage. But yeah, yeah. Nick Cage. <laughs> he liked Luke Cage. That's so cool. Yeah. Every, I didn't know that. Nick Cage is awesome. Also, if um, it's great because he's got that movie out and um, there's been a lot of um, him doing... Uh, TV and promotion for the mm-hmm. thing. And Interviews I, and stuff. I would recommend literally anything and everything that he's appeared on since Pig came out. It's just delightful because he's such a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to entertain. He yeah. knows how to keep it interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. That's been uh, what we've been watching, which is a lot of stuff. And also we could just talk for hours and hours on uh, the age of Cage. We had to fill this episode because the movie we're talking about, Lake Placid, is... I believe 65 minutes long. <laughs> it might be a little bit longer, but barely. Okay, yeah, let's transition into talking about Lake Placid. Yes. Should we start with some high stats? <laughs> let's do it. Okay, Lake Placid is a movie. <laughs> it uh, is. It is a movie. <laughs> it's rated R. Yes. It came out in 1999. Good, great year for movies. Uh, it clocks in at an hour and 22 minutes. What Did you say how long did you think it was? 65 minutes, but I mean, if you take the credits off the thing, we're not that far off, are and we? And probably like an opening credits <laughs> there is open. There's opening credits and there's end credits. Yeah, yes. there's some padding in oh, there. Oh, there's padding. But then it just like clicks, so you know, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about, yeah. yeah. So it's rated R. It is directed by Steve Miner. Yeah. Written by David E. Kelly, you know, Allie McBeal. That is what's bizarre to me more than anything. Yes. Because you have David E. Kelly who is like, has this streak of just like hit television shows after hit, you know, I think L.A. Law is his, Allie McBeal, The Practice. I think The Practice maybe is on at this, maybe yeah. both Allie McBeal and The Practice were on in 99. I can't remember. It might be maybe at the end. But, um, but yeah, what does he want to do? He wants to do, like, a crocodile movie. <laughs> like an actual movie, not a TV show. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, that's very fascinating. I mean, he... And, and then he just keeps... And what's crazy about that is that he does that, right? And then... What's the rest of David e. Kelly's career? He basically just goes back to, you know, lawyer shows. And, like, he, I think he's got... He's in charge of a few different shows still. Like, no, this is just, like, this thing that he wanted to do in the middle of all of it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. David E. Kelly. <laughs> David E. Kelly. Um, which I think, I, I think I shared a interview that I, that he had commented on and it wasn't like a easy go to sell or buy. It wasn't like, oh, David E. Kelly I gets can't a, imagine. he gets a free pass cause he's a successful TV writer. It's more like you're a TV writer and you're, <laughs> you've written this like fucking this movie no 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 like nobody's gonna fund it believe in it on one hand you're like it's at the height of what you would think would be you could probably make money off this because you know you had now two jurassic park movies by this point uh deep blue sea is out the same summer but they don't know that when it's getting well no but you know what i mean like that movie went to theaters it wasn't like a smash hit or anything but you know it made money same week But what's funny about all, <laughs> but then like what's funny is that uh, Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid, Placid have a similar legacy in that uh, they came out. One was far more successful, right? But mm-hmm. um, not by a lot. It wasn't like Deep Blue Sea was a smash. And then they both live on with like nineteen like straight to video or like sci fi channel sequels. Like, well, yeah. they use the name Lake Placid or Deep Blue Sea to just be like another shark movie or another another croc- killer crocodile movie, right? I mean. Th- 
and these movies have been around forever. Like the, these creature features have been around, you know, since basically movies started getting made. So yeah, yeah. there's that, but it's just weird. Yeah, uh, this movie was released uh, July. 16th and Deep Blue Sea was July 28th. So actually Deep Blue Sea came out after. Interesting. Yeah. This movie was not successful. Um, it stars Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman, Oliver Platt. Brendan Gleeson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brendan Gleeson doing uh, a very, I don't usually I don't usually put, uh, <laughs> showcase accents mm-hmm. but we know that he's like what? Scottish. Scottish. Mm-hmm. Or, is he Scottish or Irish? I can't remember. I think he's Scottish. Um, but we know him usually with his regular voice, right? Yep. His American accent in this movie as like the small town American sheriff is who also maybe has some Scottish background. You know, it's, it's like it's this mixture ugh. of stuff, and it's like he's created a whole it's, new category of accent. It's very funny, and actually, <laughs> he he is oddly like the breakout of this movie in a lot of ways, and even with a terrible accent. <laughs> I don't know if breakout's the word I'd use, but he's I mean, the most memorable because of just like not only that, but like his banter with Oliver Platt is just this. Uh, I mean, this. this weird, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it, thing. but it is this like fat guy, fat guy comedy. It is. It's weird. Where one of them, where Oliver Platt's character is like calling, like making fat jokes toward the other guy. And I'm pretty sure that Oliver Platt is either the same weight or maybe yeah. even more. It's so weird that there's well, fat jokes I in the movie. I guess actually now that we're talking about David E. Kelly, it yeah. was probably written for someone else. And then else. cast Oliver Platt so gets then you cast and you just it? go with it, I guess. I guess, but like, I don't know. And, and, and the character is so full of himself <laughs> that he would make fat jokes and yeah. not... Think of himself. I mean, Oliver Platt sells it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, the budget for this uh, Lake Placid movie was estimated at thirty-five million. <laughs> yeah. It grossed in the U.S. thirty-one. So yeah, and I can't believe they even grossed that worldwide much, fifty-six. It says opening weekend in U.S. and Canada was eleven million. So it like made it. <laughs> you gotta love it when it makes a third of its money and it's in the weekend opening. Well, I mean, a lot of movies make about sometimes half or more okay, of, their, okay. of their run in the first weekend. I mean, that's really a it, look at that new Harry Potter, not Harry Potter, that Fantastic Beast movie that came out. It opened at like $40 million and then <laughs> the next weekend. So, yeah, you know. it seems like good movies, though, like make a good chunk and then they stay in theaters and they just keep. It depends. At yeah. At least in the 90s. I don't know. It seems like movies. I can't the believe it legged out 30 to 30 million frankly 56, I, could, uh, I thought worldwide. it was much less successful than even that so yeah. I guess good for that um, yeah no um, did you write down what you remember or is this movie that you had not seen um, what I wrote down was I don't remember this movie but Tyler has talked about it a lot so this is the segment of the show where before we watch the movie mm-hmm. we write down mm-hmm. what we remember mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is I write down what I remember and Angela either doesn't do it or she pretends like she didn't remember seeing the movie but what's interesting about this is about I don't know 40 minutes in I was like no we've we've recently watched this recently being like within the last 10 years no, I feel like even more recently than that, like in the last like four or five years. It is one of those Or like movies... maybe you had it on and then I walked in and you know me, I'll just like sit down and then like I'm in. Well, I certainly didn't like pop the DVD in, which is what we watched. No, no, we watched it on Hulu, which mm-hmm. has not always been on Hulu, but it is one of those movies there. And this is, this will go into what I remember. Like if we had it on television or if we were at like a hotel or something and like this comes on, mm-hmm. like I'm watching it. You're in it to win it. <laughs> so this is what I wrote when I remember. I said, okay. a giant croc is fucking around in a small town lake and it's about to find out. Betty White is cool with it, but everyone else, including Bill Pullman, Oliver Platt, and Bridget Fonda are like, nah. They're scientists or something, but they don't know each other beforehand? I don't know. I remember seeing this movie in a theater, not liking it, then watching it a ton on HBO. So I like it now? I don't remember. 
and that's the thing. Like I, so in ninety in the nineteen ninety eight ish, I started when I would see a lot of movies. I'd have a hand written journal. Of oh yeah, yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And there, I put a letter grade. Yes, I remember seeing this. Yeah, and so I, I'd had one probably from like ninety eight on, probably. Mm-hmm. So I rem- now what I remember is 1999's log mm-hmm. i remember the grade i gave it i have it in my brain because i i must it must be in here because of when i would later watch it over and over and over again okay, okay. i gave it a d plus when i first saw oh, it in the movie theater wow. i thought it was absolutely terrible when i saw it in 1999 in a theater at age 14 and then <laughs> it begins airing all the time on uh hbo and and it's what's weird about it is it is R, mm-hmm. so that means it's not at this time of HBO. There's not it's like five on after ten o'clock. There's all, it's on after eight, right? Okay. So because there was only one HBO at that time, mm-hmm. and if it was the daytime, they would usually just run PG thirteen or below, mm-hmm. or yeah, for younger people. And then eight o'clock, it was like fine, put on the R rated movies, put on Real Sex twenty nine. Oh, that's what yeah. we're all waiting for. Um, oh, what is that? <laughs> it was like a show, like it is like a documentary show about like sex, like all sorts of facets of it and is this it sounds, where you got your sex education well it sounds really sexy right mm-hmm. but then usually it's about like i don't know like tijuana prostitutes or something like what? it's never like it's okay. never like a uh or like swingers that are like 65 years old like it's never like th- that sexy what was it called it's like called real sex and they were like specials it was like real sex 12 real sex like 15 or whatever okay i'm gonna have to research that later because yeah. i am and definitely you interested. know if as an adult it's probably a very interesting show especially through the prism of like how sexuality is like a little bit more normalized in culture now a little bit although well not in everything but uh, you know sex positive is an idea and a concept now that's a little bit more accept you know mm-hmm. acceptable right this was like that going on in like the 90s and early 2000s uh, on HBO, so I, I'd be fascinated to watch some of that now and be like, okay. <laughs> yes, it's described as a documentary series that explores sex in the 90s. Yeah. Each episode has several segments about current trends and sexuality, as well as street interviews with common people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where you get all your sex education. I, I love it. Well, maybe, yeah. Okay, so, so you, anyway, that would also be on. But, <laughs> but anyway, like, there's less opportunity to watch it over and over again because it was ARB, and yet I... How? Watch How did it you more watch and more. It? And I don't know, for some reason, sometime over that course of that time, I never changed my log. But maybe I just thought it, I just decided it was like a bad movie. Mm-hmm. And oddly, I, I think I gave Deep Blue Sea a very low grade as well during that year. And that's a movie that I will rewatch as well. And I don't think that's a good movie. And I don't necessarily think that Lake Placid is, well, we can talk about it. Uh, but it's a movie that I'll, I rewatch a lot. So, um, Have we done... Deep Blue Sea? No. Okay. I do remember watching Deep Blue Sea with the, for the first time with you and you not telling me anything about it and then yeah. you like actively watching me to see my reaction. Like I could tell something was about to happen. I said like pay it like yeah, don't leave the room. <laughs> you're like you need to pay attention in the next five minutes. <laughs> and you're just like I think you're even saying like I think you were just you knew that I like Sam Jackson. You're like oh this is like he's the lead of the movie. And but I think even I I tip my hand a little bit because like in the credits it's like Ann Samuel L. Jackson. It's like oh they give him the and and he's the lead. What kind of shit is that? And you're just like what are you talking about? See, so this is early in our relationship where I still don't quite understand. Like you always pay attention to opening credits like, in why TV Tom shows. Why Saffron Burrow's number one here? Yeah, you're always paying attention to the order and the width and the and. And I'm like I still don't I don't pay attention. I don't get it. I don't know what you're saying. So you're always like oh that's a spoiler in this TV show. It says who the per like it says and that person. So we know that's going to be the special person at the end and I'm like what are you talking about 
it's usually like a smaller supporting role, right? But it's yeah. like a notable person, right? That's usually what it I works with. I think you're the only person I know who looks at that People and pay pays attention, attention to opening credits. But anyway, I mean, obviously Deep Blue Sea has an incredible uh, moment about midway through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a movie I rewatch a bunch and same with Lake Placid. And I, yeah, it's funny that they're out the same year, but I don't know. I think that uh, for whatever reason, I've come to appreciate it and then uh, we can talk about watching it this time because maybe I have different thoughts now I don't know okay what was your impressions you thought you saw the movie about halfway through you thought you had seen it but what was your overall impression of watching this uh, oh this movie's great (laughs) it's so fucking ridiculous (laughs) it is actively one of the more ridiculous Um, you know what I did love is uh the swearing the insults the like some of the dialogue is just like I've never heard that said that way before. Like, I mean, I took I have pretty some pretty good notes. Like, I just saw one right now. This is uh, I think someone calls someone like you fuck shit. Like, yeah. that's just like fuck uh, shit. I just, Oliver like, Platt is usually you call it, calling people names throughout. Yeah, the uh, it's uh, I like that it's really short. I like that it's like it it's gets so there, short. it does it, it does the thing, it does the next thing, and then it's done. Yeah, and it. it... What's funny, and you mentioned the swearing, it's, this is part of its, like, weird appeal. Uh Because it's, like, it's a creature feature, and at the time, in this time of of, uh, movies, you know, like, you'd want this, you you would think, like, the crocodile movie on the heels of, like, The Lost World, and you'd want it to be, like, PG-13 and get some kids into the movie, right? Well, no, they're like, oh, it's R, so, you know, we're not gonna let that in. We're gonna cut off our, half of our audience right there. There's no kids in the movie, it's just adults. And if you're watching, like, on the other side of it, watching, like, schlock, uh, like, on sci-fi, like, cheap versions Mm -hmm. of this, like, Mm -hmm. a, a crocodile movie, like, that's cleaned up, too, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not people swearing and stuff like that. So, this is a movie where they're just like, no, we're gonna say the F word. I mean, there's more swear words. Mm -hmm. It's it's more an R-rated movie because of the swear words than it is for gore. Uh, well, uh, There's yeah. a couple moments, but this is a very, actually a very low body count movie. Yeah, like the gore is intense, but it's not, um, there's not a high quantity. You're right. It's a low volume. Yeah. I mean, there's one really early because we get this opening scene where Brendan Gleeson is on this lake. It's not called Lake Placid, by the way. No, it's Lake Main, Main Lake or something like that. And there's a throwaway line of why it's not called Lake Placid. It's like, well, there was already a Lake Placid. It's like, well, why are they, why Black are they Lake. It's called Black Lake. Well, why are we calling it Lake Placid? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> they wanted to call it... They, the line is like, they wanted to call it Lake Placid, but that's the name of another lake. That's the line in the movie about why they didn't name it that. But that's the name of this movie. Yeah. It's Lake Placid. Maybe there's another line? Because there's a lot of, like, random lines that get thrown around here. And that a lot of the it. explanations come. It's just like, how is it so big? How is it in this lake? And it's just like Oliver Platt, who's like a crocodile expert, is like, well, you know, they don't... Yeah, they like salt water, but not always. And this feeds right into the ocean. Or like, oh, 30 feet. Well, it's 30 feet, but like, you know, these Asian crocodiles, they could be 25. Like, they just like offhand, like, try to explain some of this so, stuff so quickly. So, so much quick, quick dialogue yeah. that if like, if, if I didn't have subtitles on, I would have missed like literally half of this movie. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's go through it. Opening scene. Well, that's what I was saying. So, I, Brendan Gleeson's on a boat mm-hmm. with this diver. We Hold don't on. know this guy very Hold well. Hold on. What's he doing? I don't know. He's, he's going into a tube. No, no, no. What's Brandon Gleason doing in the in the canoe or eating boat? Like a Twinkie? Or he's something? eating a Twinkie. So we <laughs> got to start off like we're we're setting the precedent. It's 1999. Fat guy. It's got to be eating it's not something. Even that fat. I know, but it's like it's clearly written like this is the, we're gonna make fat Chubby jokes. Chubby sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> he likes Twinkies. Yeah. Okay. 
Keep going. I just then, want to call So, like, they're going to die. I actually was a little unsure of what they were doing for a minute. They're going into a tube in the lake or something where there's, like, a beaver nest or something like that. And they're going to, like, the diver's going to, like, clear out the nest. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, I think I missed that part, too. I was like, what's, what is this guy doing diving down here? Whatever. Well, something doesn't around. matter. It's there's the something key. floating around. Uh, there's some splishy splashy. The guy pops up. Brendan Leeson's like, uh oh. And then, like, he gets attacked, but you don't see anything. It's kind of like a Jaws situation where you don't see anything, right? Yep. And then he pulls the guy out of the boat, and the, half, the other half of his body's missing. That's our first real, like, gore shot. The dude shot. is half. Cut in half. Now, here's what I learned in this movie. There's is a that lot of that in Deep Blue Sea, by the way. If, if your body is cut in half, you are going to be able to talk for 20 to 30 more seconds. Yeah. Well... That, that, again, brings up this thing about Deep Blue Sea where someone gets, like, bit in half when they eat, like, the top half. And this weird-ass part of that movie where the guy's, like, twitches for, mm-hmm. like... And it, like, lingers on the twitch for, like, five seconds. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, if we're going off of uh, movie science, it sounds like, yeah, you'd be... Yeah, no, because, like, in the war movies and stuff like that, you see people get blown up and they have half their body and they're usually there for, you know, maybe a few seconds. Yeah. And that was kind of that was disturbing. It's pretty gross. Yeah, it's a little sh- sticker shock, especially for the rest of the movie being so lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, it made then, my body hurt. Like I didn't like that. that because was here's the thing: like after that, um, the next gore is like a moose head, uh, and then the next gore is a very CGI-looking <laughs> shot of a deputy who <laughs> is actually very funny. Because why are you getting to this part? All oh, right, you can. Well, say we're it. right here because I don't have to go through the whole thing, but. Like, what's funny about this is they're going, like, all the main characters are going out on the boat, right? And they're going to go investigate uh, the crocodile or something that's going on, right? And then, like, about halfway through them driving, you finally notice... Yeah, no, you're right. No, there's, like, this first shot of this other deputy. And and you're you're like, like, wait, who's this fucking guy? He was not on the boat five seconds ago. (laughs) Like, who is this man? We were literally like, wait, who's... Wait, and wait right when who you, is he? And right when you recognize he's there, it's like, well, that guy's going to die right now because he's only there to get killed. I do have to say that the the way they did this was very refreshing and, like, something I've never seen before. Oh, okay. So that was great. So then, like, the way that he gets killed is just, yeah. like, this CGI blob of water coming up and, like, the head just comes off and there's some sp- a little bit of blood spraying. Yeah, so the guy's, like, leans, leaning over the boat a little to look in the water and then something basically pops out and chops his, chomps his head off. <laughs> Like I've never seen that. <laughs> that was shocking. Yes, like I don't remember shocking. that part of the movie. It's very silly, and it was also just like, wait, that who is that guy on the boat? And then his body just like falls back into the boat. So yeah. there's like this headless dude. Like what <laughs> so the weird. actual fuck but just happened? But that is it for body count. There is no like the, a bear gets eaten, a cow gets eaten, but that's it. Like there's no other people that get uh, uh, eaten in the movie, which is kind of like surprising for a movie like this. Mm-hmm. So after that, we uh, get introduced to... Uh, the, main, the opening scene, yeah. Yeah, after the opening scene, we get introduced into the main female character. And what was crazy about this is that yeah. we get... I, my notes say the law and order lady, because I was like, she's fucking familiar. Well, it's Bridget Fonda, and I know her from, like, Jackie Brown and um, a few other movies in the 90s. Kiss the Dragon, stuff like that. Yeah, but her co-worker oh. in the scene <laughs> yes. is Mariska... Hargitay? Yeah, from, and, like, Law and & Order. And she's playing this, like, woman who's, like, basically cheated on this lady. Oh, it's such a confusing scene. Boyfriend, and it's, like, I... Because it's... it's and it's Adam Arkin is, like, the boyfriend, and he, like, yeah. first of all, he's in a shot, and you're just like, is that the only time he's gonna be in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> and then he has another very brief scene after that, but it's just so weird. You're just like, what and is going on? And then to see Mariska in this role, 
which you never see her in ever in the rest of her career, probably. Wow. I, I couldn't that's even before her being on. I know. The show. I can't even believe it. I was like, "That's Law and Order. She can't beat this character who's just like a basically like a hoe who's like cheating on this woman's." You know that is such a weird. Okay, like the fact that this is a scene in this movie <laughs> is very strange. Like, why? <laughs> because it's all she's like a she's like a paleontologist. Yeah. She's works at a museum, and like this, the only reason she goes out to this lake is just like, well, someone saw found an old tooth. There's a tooth, and so we, we want, want you to go, to f- go there <laughs> and look at it. You're in New York or something, and we want you to go to Maine and, and yeah. check out this tooth. And that's why. Because and it turns out it's like well we want to get her out of the office while this blows over it's like well no like you still you two are still dating when she comes back so like I don't yeah. know like why this is a solution David E Kelly I need more information it seems like a lot was cut out here probably for the better I don't need any more of this no, office I dynamic do. I do it's so wacky <laughs> but then like she just so she looks at the tooth right and then I mean it's kind of a plot point in that Bill Pullman who's like a park a park ranger mm-hmm. keeps asking her like why are you out here and but it's a good point it's just like you looked at the tooth like why are you out here yeah, <laughs> like she, you are you have no place here <laughs> in, it's in it is funny because she invites herself she like does she, yeah. she looks at the tooth she says what it is and then the other character's like we're gonna go do this thing and she's like okay i'm gonna come with you but she's like anti-outside <laughs> at first so she's like they, and the whole running thing is like oh you're having a time in your life you're enjoying this and she's like no i'm not because she's like playing like shrill woman yes. for a lot of this movie, which is not good. But um, but at the same time, like yeah, because she's like spraying the air with bug spray and just doing a lot of like mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a city person mm-hmm. and like the half the jokes about her are like she's a city person, yes. but she's enjoying it. It's such a weird characterization, and she's kind of like the lead of this movie in a weird way. Yeah, the scene where like they're they're on their way, they're in the boat, they're talking about why it's not called Lake Placid, and then she's like, "We're camping in tents." Oh my god! It's and then weird. like, uh, what's his name is like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot the feminine napkins." Gleason, <laughs> Brendan Gleason. Yes, who's a who we you know after his scene on the boat um, proceeds to uh, have a scene where he's telling some. I looks like a 16 year old girl, like something happened. And like, he, and him and Bill Pullman, who's just been introduced is this like, Oh yeah, there was like this. He's like, I fucking her. her. Sex eyeballs. Like, and, it like looking so at her gross. and then like they turn around and like watch her walk away. And this is when like Bridget Fonda shows up. Right. And so yes. they're both introduced as like these like schmucks kind of, Yes, um, and which is very 90s. But what's gross about it is like, uh, Brennan Gleason has already been established as like, maybe like not a likable, gross kind of guy. Yeah. And then, the girl he's flirting with, she's flirting back with him. Oh, it's so And weird. that is just like, nope. So not real. <laughs> for the first part of this movie, you just think that like Brendan Gleason is getting set up to get murdered because he's kind of an idiot cop. Yeah. But then like a weird thing happens where he suddenly becomes like the likable character that's like you're you're on his side more than you <laughs> yes. are Oliver Platt. And you're just like, what is happening in this movie? Because now I like this guy, yeah. even though he's a complete fucking twat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's a char- I mean, it, it's this weird thing where this movie. Like has so like you have to almost look at it line by line, right? There are so many lines that are just actively bad, mm-hmm. and Bridget Fonda unfortunately gets a lot of them. Her she character does. is just really not well written. Yeah, David it's like David Kelly didn't has... know what she was. He I don't know, it just seemed like he just forgot to write her an actual part. It's so weird. Um, and so I don't think her performance is up to snuff either. I don't think it's necessarily her fault. It's just a lot of garbage, right? Agreed. So then you have a lot of that, but then you also have like some of these like whip fast like insults and things flying and the absurdity of all you're just like well that's actually really funny 
And the way that like Betty White is pitched and oh yeah, Betty White's in this movie. Is it's nineteen ninety nine, and she looks like she did two years ago. And like she just passed away, which is it's yes. almost like a little uh, a, a little homage to yes. uh, Betty White here. And it's but. hilarious because she gets cast in this like foul speaking. It's it's lady. five minutes of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's a few, you know it's spread out, but God, she just like everything lands with her, man. It's so funny, um, and she just plays the. I mean, that's what's so weird about this movie. No one lives on the lake. Yeah, so <laughs> there's no for one her. for 25 miles no one. to the lake, except this old couple. Except for this old couple, and it's like, why? Like, so the, to my question is just, why are we that concerned about it, honestly? Like, it's a remote lake. Yeah, just just tell people, like, don't <laughs> no, go No, someone died. Lake. I get that. Um, yeah. But... It's just odd. It's not like a very frequented lake where there's Again, a high risk. No body. There's just no chance of body count. Even though you, like you set up all these tents with all these deputies, and you're just thinking like, oh, a lot of these guys are going to get killed. And it turns out, no, nope. <laughs> they just aren't there. They don't even go out on the boat most of the time, except for that one poor guy. Not at all. Um, go well, ahead. I've got lots of favorite scenes. I don't know how you want to how you want me to bring them. Well, up. I mean, I think that um, you know, a lot of this movie is. It's weird. It's like a half hour of setup and then a half hour of just like crazy shit. Because mm-hmm. it's like we got to introduce Pullman and Gleason, right? Mm-hmm. And I listen. I think Bill Pullman is one of our great. Uh, in a role like this, this is exactly who you want. Yeah. Bill Pullman is great in these kind of like aw shucks or leading man or I I like him in this. I, I think he's he's got just this relaxed attitude. Um, so he gets introduced. Oliver Platt flies in on his own private little self-helicopter he is he's a rich crocodile guy he's like a professor lady knows she knows him because they're in like academia academia but he's like a crazy crocodile guy who Mm -hmm. goes and hunts crocodiles super rich and he's just there because he heard about it and he has a dream of you know he loves swimming with crocodiles and his first thing he does is get off the thing and he uh hits on the uh deputy uh sheriff lady and calls says she's got nice tits. Yeah, who said that? I wrote you have big boobs. Yeah, uh, was the phrase. That's Oliver Platt. You have big and then boobs. like she's okay with that. In fact, she becomes like his kind of like a sidekick for a whole action sequence later. And it's insinuated that like she's into this. Like Bill Pullman has to even go at night to like, but hey deputy, go back to work. Stop flirting with this guy. Like they're they're like they're a thing. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it for your characters. I mean, that's part of the issue of why there's no body count, because there's really only, like, four characters. Four main characters. Yeah. That deputy is kind of a, a character, but they didn't... I'm glad that she doesn't get killed, because it's almost needless, right? But um, that's weird, right? And then it's just like, okay, well, we're going to go ask Betty White what's going on, and then uh, we're going to have a few scenes with the crocodile, then we're out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. My favorite scene with Bill Pullman is when uh, the lady, what's her name, Bridget, Bridget Fonda, Fonda, is... a. Uh, she makes a comment like, oh, look how flat the water is. She's looking out over the lake, and she's like, this is great for skipping stones. And Bill Pullman is like, excuse me? He's like, like what? What's what is... this thing called skipping stones? I'm a park ranger, but I've never heard of skipping stones. What is this you speak of? I don't I... know what his accent is there, but... <laughs> it, it was weird, though. It was so weird. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, wait, what just... Why... Why is he confused? What's happening? Uh, he's never heard of skipping stones, uh, which is something, I guess, you know. I got to write some of the, I got to take some of these uh, insults too. Uh, maybe later you can chew the bark off my big fat log. That's a Oliver Platt. To, oh, so man. there's a lot of fighting between Oliver Platt and Brendan Gleeson, right? Uh, at one point, um, I have a few that I wrote down too that I really like that are just very funny. Um one of them is like, oh yeah, maybe later you can chew the bark off my big fat log. I wrote that one down as well. Oh, that's a good one. 
Um, <laughs> so then there's another part where after that deputy lost his head and Brendan Gleeson's character is kind of sad about it, even though we didn't know who he was, he, Oliver Platt tries to console him by saying, like, I once had a dream where I, my head was getting, was not part of my body, was getting kicked around like a soccer ball. And just like... Wait, what? Say that right. again? He, like, tells Brendan Gleeson as a way to console him. He's like, I once had a dream where... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I had my, my head was separated from my body and I was getting kicked around like a soccer ball. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay. He's like, okay, I'm sorry. And then he, uh, and then after, right, right around that time, uh, Gleeson gets trapped, like, he gets pulled up, like, his uh, leg trapped in a... A trap that Oliver Platt set. In you know, one of those things comes that you upside down on a yeah. tree, right? And like uh, his his lines, will you please cut me down? He's like, do you promise not to hurt? If you if I pull you down, will you uh, promise not to attempt to injure me? <laughs> it's just the way he says attempt to injure me is very funny. In a very Oliver Platt way, for sure. And then by far the best thing of this movie is um, they get in a fight later at night, and he's like, take your bet. Like Oliver Platt's in his face, and Bernie Gleason's mm-hmm. face, like take your best shot. And so <laughs> because he's like Oliver Platt's like I've I'm a white yellow belt in karate. Yeah. So then Brendan Gleeson just pops him right in the freaking right nose in the face, and he falls to the ground. And it's just like, <laughs> and then Bill Pullman goes up to him, is like, "You hit him," and he goes, and Bill Brendan Gleeson's like, "Yeah, I hit him, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and then like um, Oliver Platt Platt is in the corner, is like, he didn't say go. Aren't you supposed to say go in karate? And it's just <laughs> yes. like, so, and it. If you know Oliver Platt, who's in, God, he's in a hundred things, mm-hmm. especially in the 90s and 2000s, mm-hmm. right? He's always kind of playing these, like, snivelly shitbags yeah. a little bit. And yeah. God, he's so good at playing a snivelly shitbag that um, it works here. Uh, this is one of his, like, yeah. I mean, if you've seen Oliver Platt movie, he's chances are he's playing a guy kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Even on the West Wing, oh, he's yeah. kind of a snivelly guy on the West Wing. He's a lawyer. He, like, works for the... He's only in a few episodes, right? It's but, always so entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Oliver Platt in these kind of roles, but he, I mean, that's where a lot of this humor comes from is this between Gleason and, um, and Oliver Platt and it kind of steals the movie away a little it bit does. for a while. Bridget Fonda has one good line, uh, uh-huh. where she, uh, uh, head, uh, she gets hit by a head out of the ground or something the head that like washes up on the shore. Oh, a moose. Is it the moose head or is it the bo- the deputy's head? I don't, I think it's the deputies them i don't know she just goes this is the second time i've been hit with a severed head and it upsets me (laughs) yeah that's pretty good that was a great line so betty white is on the lake right it turns out her husband is dead (laughs) which she tells them the first time they meet her she's they're like where's your husband she's like i I killed killed him him. (laughs) i hit him with a frying pan and buried him out back you want me to go show you and they're just like okay Awkward. Bye. So she does because they're cops. There, they do like say that she's like on house arrest. They don't like arrest her, mm-hmm. but like they don't take her thing seriously at, like very much. Like it's like it's insinuated that she's lying, right? Because they think that she knows something about this crocodile, and she does because oh, they witness mm-hmm. they witness her feeding, sending a cow out, and that's kind of when we get like a full on shot of this crocodile, right? Um, eating the cow. Um, but like when they go back, that's when her like fun of her best lines are. Cause since she's like, uh, at one point she says, thank you officer. Fuck me. Yes. And then she says, if I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. And like, listen, Betty White saying that it's is great. Fantastic. And I, and I know that it's like, oh yeah. I mean, is it low humor in terms of like, oh, it's just Betty White saying profanity. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, she's very good at it and it's very funny. So, and it's know. viable too, like that old lady, like crankiness and sassiness that, yeah. yeah. Everybody loves. She's like, you guys are all, I think she calls everybody like, you guys are all assholes or something like, oh yeah, no, you're all cocksuckers is what she calls them. <laughs> I'm rooting for the crocodile that's in the trailer. Yes, I love that. Uh, yeah. So she, she's great in very short amount of screen time. Um, 
which is uh, is great. Um, the crocodile itself is some CGI that doesn't look too bad because the CGI parts are usually in the dark, so it doesn't look bad. And then the close-up stuff look great. And it's Stan Winston who made the crocodile. It's a lot of effort, um, and it's kind of amazing because it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the most that you see it is kind of toward the end here when. Uh, they come up with a plan to trap the alligator or the crocodile with the helicopter, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not exactly what they plan to do, but um, you get a lot of the crocodile kind of uh, interacting in kind of shallow water with our main characters, and you think you're going to lose some people, but um, yeah, no, it's it, it. There's only like two action scenes really mm-hmm. at this point. You get one where Oliver Platt's in the water, Swimming, he's crazy because he's a fucking idiot. Um, you know, and there he's with the other deputy in the helicopter there, and you definitely get a sense that like this is where he's gonna die. Yeah, he's gonna or get the deputy's gonna get eaten, right? And he somehow kind of manages to escape. He like throws a raft out where the crocodile attacks. This is all like practical work with the robotic yes. um, uh, croc as well, and they manage to escape. And it's actually a pretty well staged little tiny little action sequence, right? And like it's all again, this is like it's an hour has gone by. Most of which has just been set up. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, we're going to trap the crocodile because the people from Florida Fish and Game are just going to kill it. We're going to trap it because it's like a... It needs to be studied. Needs to be studied, right? Needs to be appreciated. And then what you really only get is just this one scene, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's it's a lengthy scene where they're trying to uh, entice it. That's where she said calls them all cocksuckers, by the way, because they go and take one of Betty White's cows to dangle over the water in the helicopter to get the crocodile in and they're going to tranquilize it, right? Well, it doesn't go according to plan. The copter crashes, and they end up like kind of trapping it inside the um, inside the helicopter. There's a couple. Uh, Bridget Fonda ends up in the water and is like swimming, and we see some shots underwater. Like a lot of this stuff actually works pretty well for <laughs> this random movie that's mostly been kind of humorous, very cheesy. But like when it wants to be this little action movie, it kind of like delivers the goods. It's weird that it ends so quickly, but at the same time, we're just like, well, I don't know if I need another scene anyway. Mm-hmm. It reminds me kind of of how, like, Jurassic Park 3, a movie that I defend, uh, kind of just abruptly ends. Because it's only 90 minutes, and you get the scene where they're, like, facing off against the raptors, and they are got to give the eggs back to the raptors, right? Yes. And um, <laughs> they do it successfully, and then they're rescued, and you're just like... Well, usually you need, like, a big old... I mean, we had a big scene with the um, Spinosaurus before that on the boat, but it it didn't seem like it was the climax, right? It didn't seem like we were there, where this almost has that same feeling. It's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to be done with this movie now. I mean, there is a little bit of a surprise, but they barely do anything with it. I mean, you said this when we were watching it. It's like, well, there's two crocodiles. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be two, right? Because they capture one in the helicopter, and this is where I think... Even like Brendan Gleeson, who somehow survived this whole movie, you're like, well, this is you're like, oh, he's in, he's standing in the water, and I think you even said like, well, now he's finally gonna get eaten. Yeah. Well, no, the crocodile, the second one, does pop up, and he they introduce this giant fictional gun that he had in the beginning, and he just blows the fucker away in like one shot, and that's the end of the second crocodile. And he like blows. It's a up. gag. Like there is crocodile insides all over the twist is that it's just a it's just this gag <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's oh yeah no there is a second one but we blew it up in five we seconds blew it up. 
because he wanted to use his big gun on the on yeah. the crocodile. But like that's the thing. Like his character turns into someone that you kind of like because he is kind of a proponent of just killing it, right? Mm-hmm. But he kind of ends up going along with Oliver Platt's plan of like trying to capture it. And he ends up being like on the side of like doing that. Mm-hmm. But then he still gets to blow, <laughs> yes. just to blow one up. But but yeah, it feels like ah, oh, this movie is. I mean, it's a, it's an ending. It, it's satisfying. They capture it, but it, mm-hmm. even when they like are trap like strapping it up, you just think like, oh, is there something like something else? Something that's else gonna is happen? gonna happen here, or <laughs> because it's just so short. But I, I mean, it's glad that it doesn't keep going. Like one of my favorite scenes is the bear scene. Well, that's which kind is of when we also first see the really crocodile. quick. It's so quick though. It's like it's got to be a budget thing. It's a little seconds. bit. It's seconds. It's seconds on yeah. scene, but it's it's great. That's really the first time we see the crocodile in full full shot too and it's about like i don't know 40 minutes in yeah because oliver and gleason are like fighting yeah and then this bear come like the bear randomly just shows up this giant bear shows up and you're like oh shit giant giant bear real bear that's cool i just hit a balloon god you startled me sorry as a crocodile um the giant bear shows up which is so cool because it's a real bear it's a real bear it's like ben the bear probably the bear that was in the movies in the 90s and then just out of the blue unexpectedly boom crocodile just jumps out the air and takes him it's yeah. cool, though. It's so cool. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, what the fuck just happened? So the movie has a couple stingers, though. Uh, when the credits roll, we do see the crocodile on the back of a truck that mm-hmm. they're hauling it away, the one that they did not kill. And then right before that, before the credits roll, you see Betty White uh, feeding, like, breadcrumbs to, like, six or seven baby crocodiles mm-hmm. in the lake. And you're just like, oh, there's going to be more of these things. Mm-hmm. But I would argue, again, nobody lives on this lake. Well, they do make a comment that, like, some teenagers go and swim in the lake in the summer. Where's that scene? That's It's just so weird this movie doesn't have that. Like, even in Dante's Peak, a movie that has, like, no, I mean, I mean, it has a death, it has a, a there's a count of people. Like, not really, they evacuate the town mostly. Actually, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't get killed. But, like, even that movie has, like, in the beginning, there's, like, some streaking of teenagers that get burned up in a, in a, in a, in a hot spring. And it's just, like, even... Even the volcano movie where oh, <laughs> no God. one believes a volcano is a, a problem. There's two teenagers that get, like, killed immediately at the beginning. And it's like, this movie doesn't have that. It's got the one diver, and it's got that poor deputy that dies instantly when we're introduced to him. But other than that, it's like, uh, has no. that's the only two deaths, human deaths in the movie. And I was, I was trying to think right as you were talking is, like, does David E. Kelly not like to write for kids or teenagers like has is any of his stuff have many kids in it i don't know he's in he does boston legal ally mcbeal like i don't think he writes for kids i mean contrast to um deep blue sea again that has a very small cast but like everybody in the cast gets killed except for spoilers for that l o cool j and tom jane like so while there's a cast of eight like three-fourths of them are out you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they get killed right mm-hmm. so you know, like there's a higher, there's almost always a higher body count in these movies, but not, uh, not here. It's just, uh, it's just unusual. And it was one of the charms of it maybe. Cause you're just like, well, I like these four characters, so I guess I don't want them to die. Yeah. I like it. I want them back for the sequel, which never came to which be. Which is At better. Least... <laughs> it's better that the sequel lives in my mind as an, as a great sequel. Well, we sequel. can watch it. There's like plastic, uh, like sci-fi movies we could watch. Like I don't need to though. This is the sequel. My mind is perfect. <laughs> Doesn't need Where to. Where Betty White is grown, she's grown five of them. Yes, and all the same characters are back. You know that quippy. if they if it made money, they would have made that movie like two years later in two thousand one. Here's Lake Placid two. You know fantastic. they would have done it. I bet you he kind of thought like, oh man, we're gonna make like four, three of these. It's gonna be amazing. It'll be our own Jaws, although no one likes the Jaws movies past the first one. But 
there's a lot of successful ones, so... Yeah, David E. Kelly can can write some funny stuff outside of a courtroom. Now, but that being said, I want to... Before we, like, recommend this, like, I want to preface it by saying, like, I don't think it's, like, a good movie. No, but it's a fun movie. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's fun. It's fun. It's funny. It's cheesy. There's some bad dialogue in it, but it, part of the charm is that, I think. Um, and it's bizarre that it's, like, 70 minutes. <laughs> That makes it easy, though. It's like, all right, I can just hop into this, have a good time, and hop out and be like, what the fuck was that? I think it's a better movie than like uh, Deep Blue Sea, um, I, you know, in terms of rewatchability, clearly. Because um, Deep Blue Sea is also like an R-rated movie, which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's the violence that gets it, right? But, uh, yeah, this was just... And, like, the, this, the cast, like, a crocodile movie, like, Deep Blue Sea, it's like, okay, Sam Jackson's there, but it's like, LL Cool J young you know young LL Cool J mm-hmm. newcomers Tom Jane and Saffron Burroughs who they tried to make a thing for a while right mm-hmm. like young cast right like we're trying to appeal to like those 17 year olds who are going to the movies right and Lake Placid's like oh, I'll get Bill Pullman yeah. <laughs> Oliver Platt <laughs> like okay it's a weird uh it's a weird cast which I appreciate yeah but I was just pulling up who was in I'm curious what happened to is Bridget Fonda is like not in movies past like 2000 um and it's is it probably because her mom of, probably because her mom was, is that her mom is is uh what's her name melanie griffith what not melanie griffith isn't that look up bridget no it's she's of jane it, i would get i would thought you're gonna say she's jane fonda's who's daughter. melanie griffith's daughter uh uh oh, now you're confusing me what's her face from yeah you got me confused with the roar movie now um the lady that's in roar um no isn't is Bridget Fonda Jane Fonda's daughter? Probably. You would assume, right? Dakota Johnson and somebody else, or Dakota yeah. Johnson, yes, is but... Melanie Griffith's daughter. Okay, uh, who are we talking about? Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda. Is it like Peter Fonda's kid, Henry Fonda's kid, Bridget Fonda Jane parents? Fonda. Is Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda. Okay, so Peter Fonda. But why? Yeah, it's just another. She's just another one of these actresses in the '90s and 2000s. Like when she made a movie, like Weinstein just decided to ruin their careers. Or what's going on? Why is she not in movies past 1999? Her aunt is actress in fitness guru Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. Yeah, it's the Fonda dynasty. Because she's in like a Jet Li movie around this time or right after this. She's you know very notable in Jackie Brown in '97 or '8. But, I'm pulling yeah. up her uh, movie list she's for you. She's just not in a lot of movies. Did something happen to her? Is she alive? <laughs> I feel um, like she's alive. She's alive. Yeah. She was born in 1964. Do okay. the math on that. Okay. Oh, yeah. There, she has no credits past 2002. Interesting. Like, none. Zero. What does it say on personal life? Wikipedia is very accurate when it comes to people's lives. I'm not on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm on IMDb. Okay. Yeah, I don't look know. at her film history. There's probably after something Lake Placid, obvious that we've missed. After Lake Placid, she did uh, Kiss of the Dragon. South of Heaven, West of uh, Hell, Delivering Milo, Monkey Bone, Kiss of the Dragon. Uh, I've Bone. not heard of these. I know Monkey Bone's Brendan Fraser. The Whole sha- Shebang. I don't know what that No is. Ordinary Baby, which is a TV movie. Then she was on a few episodes of a TV series called The Chris Isaac Show. And then she did a <laughs> TV like a miniseries sitcom. called Snow Queen, where she played Snow Queen, and that's the end. Well, we'll go to her Wikipedia page. We're at the end of this episode. You could turn it off if you're not interested in Bridget, Bridget Fonda Wiki. Yeah. Something, am I just forgetting something about Bridget Fonda that like she's like, she like crazy a car accident or, or something? Or she's like a Weinstein accuser or something that her career got derailed. I don't know. 
Um, okay, I was right. Actually, it was a car crash. In February 2003, she suffered a serious car crash in L.A. that caused a fracture in her vertebrae. In March of the same year, she became engaged to film composer Oringo Buingo, frontman <laughs> Danny Elf. Oh, oh Danny former, Elfman. Oh, yeah, Danny Elfman. And they married in November. In 2005, they had a son together. Is she still married to Danny Elfman? It doesn't say they divorced. Go to the main little corner and it says, like, spouses, and it'll say, like, D yeah. if she got divorced. Danny Elfman. Well, there you go. I guess she's just, she's cool with being, not working. That's good. Good uh, for her. Yeah. Hell yeah. Danny Elfman works, Danny Elfman's doing the score for the Doctor Strange movie, so he's still doing some work. I think he just did Coachella, too, so. I'm sure that getting uh, in a serious car crash changes your life, and then you marry someone you love, and you have a baby, the I ends. mean, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that Bridget Fonda ever was, like, stellar in any movie, I guess, to... Like, she wasn't a great actress. Well, no. I think she's fine in Jackie Brown, obviously, but she's definitely not, like... She's playing against, like, Sam Jackson and Robert De Niro, and, you know, that's... That yeah, was, you, I think you know. I just, like, asked why she quit, and it's just after being injured in a serious car accident and starting a family with uh, Danny Elfman. All right, fine. Good for her. That's good. That's good enough answer for me. But I mean, I, I would... Yeah. Great thing that Bill Pullman's still out there doing the good work, though, and... Uh, so, if you were interested in watching, like, Placid and you're listening to this because you haven't watched it, that'd be stupid. But, it's on uh, Hulu Go right watch now. it on Hulu. Thanks for listening, friends. This has been a great, another episode of Old Millennials. I like how you, I like how you said, this has been a great episode, then you had to cry. I was like, well, another. was it great? It's been it's another. It's been another episode. <laughs> this has been great for me. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Enjoyable. For me. Yeah, I don't care about other people. Was it good for you? We don't really do this for other people. Was it good for you? Oh, it was very good. Was that good for you? Yeah, yeah. If you have to ask, isn't it like maybe it wasn't good if you have to ask if it was good? we only do this show because uh, we don't care if anybody's listening. I don't think anybody is. And two, I just want to talk to you about movies, and this is the only way in which you won't tune off and just like watch TikTok. So I know, you know you, this you is my to, only opportunity. You have to give me an assignment and yeah. a deliverable. And then I want to tell you about like the Nick Cage movie I watched, and you're just like, you know, usually if I say Nick Cage, you're just like, oh! I do not do that. <laughs> All right, this has been a fun, great, enjoyable another episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. Okay. Thanks for listening. We will talk at you another movie. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. <laughs> <laughs>